Hello and welcome to Outfoxed, the disruptive content podcast that helps you transform your content marketing and outfox the competition. I'm Sharon Flaherty and in this episode, we'll be exploring creating content for the East versus the West and what your content strategy can't ignore. We'll be looking at the major platforms you need to consider as part of your China content strategy, the role of social commerce, and the mistakes you really can't make. Joining me today to explore these questions is Art Patnode, the Global Content Director at JLL and a former reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Welcome to Outfox, Art. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So we know that there's a lot of companies who want to do business in China, especially from the UK. It's a really interesting market uh, for marketing agencies, for for brands who want to export. Um, but we also know there's lots of barriers. Um, so when you're thinking about content specifically, what what is it that um, that brands and businesses need to consider when communicating um, in the Chinese market? Because we know it's much more restricted than the West. So you can't access Facebook, um, Twitter, Google is blocked. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is a, thing, a question I think that so many people are asking, as you alluded to, uh, China is a, a huge market. It's a huge economy. Uh, its pace of growth uh, can be debated, but it's, it's definitely not going anywhere. Uh, for a lot of people, it's a new market. And so tapping into that is a business priority for, for so many um so many groups, so many across industries. Uh, but the question is kind of where to get going. And from a marketing perspective and a content marketing perspective, like you mentioned, there are lots of nuances that you need to pay attention to. I think one of the things that would make people a little bit more comfortable with it is that the art of storytelling and getting your message across roughly works anywhere in the world that you're trying to, to do that. So you can take a little bit of go with a little bit of confidence um, and feel that you can go in there trying to talk about what you do in a similar way to what you've done before. You have to be super aware of, obviously, is that the channels are different. The markets are different. Uh, localization of content is extremely important. And also the market is deeper and more different and more diverse uh, in part because of the population is so big and in part because of huge differences in the, in the, across the socioeconomic spectrum. So as you're looking to kind of commit to it, you definitely need to start to figure out where in China am I going to try to get this message across? So you're not taking China as a whole. You're really thinking about it um, as um, different um, regions within China to focus on. Yes, absolutely. Regions. And, and you might actually even say um, more than that. It, it might go down to the city level. Um, okay. uh, you might have tier one, tier two, tier three cities, you might, uh, which might be slightly different from each other, north to south, east versus west. So like, so what kind of differences could you expect? Yeah, I think it's going to be consumption habits. And also, you know, it depends on what your market is, uh, but purchasing power and access to the channels that you're trying to communicate across uh, will differ, um, whether you're in kind of the uh, big tier one cities versus tier two cities versus tier three cities. So is there anything that um, 
people can assume will be consistent regardless of tier one or tier two cities. So um, the, the social platforms, for example, would that be consistent? So at, at JLL, um, you know, our mantra is we, we produce, amplify, analyze that content and then rinse and repeat. So that process doesn't change whether or not, we're, whether we're doing that in China or we're doing that in the UK. Um, and so there's a consistency there in the, in the process. I think it, it gets down into the, um, in, in terms of the audience that you're trying to reach is, is going to be where those nuances exist. By the way, I was mentioning like regional geographic regions. It'll also be different whether you're marketing to, to, to companies or state-owned enterprises, uh, which is a different and uh, a beast that doesn't perhaps exist in some Western countries as well. So again, it's, it's that audience focus, geogra- geography, um, you know, whether it's consumer B2B or where, where you're trying to hit your mark. What, what would you say the consumption habits are in, of content in China compared to, to the, say, the US or the UK? Um, sure. it, you know, is it short form content video? Does anyone read editorial? Um, yes, it's a, it's a great question, actually. So just a step back. So to understand uh, consumption habits, I think it's important to understand that what you had mentioned, which is that really unique, fast-evolving social media landscape. Um, it's not just happening on WeChat or Weibo or, or some of these China-specific social channels that you mentioned alone, right? There's emerging video channels, uh, news apps that rule these uh, screens across China. Um, now, in terms of those habits of the actual consumption, uh, I think it's what we see is like short videos, uh, influencer content, uh, social commerce um, are, are really popular and more traditional platforms. Um, I guess it's funny looking at a WeChat as a traditional platform, but let's just say, you know, more traditional platform like WeChat um, even there, they are constantly reinventing themselves to stay relevant and not to lose the market share. So uh, you've got to be up to speed with the products within those channels as well. And, and they change uh, on a dime. Um, and the ones that you didn't like three months ago might now be reinvented and work really well for what you're trying to do. So it's, it's really staying abreast of all of those uh, changes, channel uh, selection, and as well as in the, in the habit of the consumption. And so you mentioned social commerce. Um, so people purchase through social and um, more frequently than they would in the UK? I think there's more options for it. And the, the country is further along into the future along those lines. The cashless society and the willingness to engage with consumer apps, um, which, which I think there was a, <clears throat> there's been a hesitancy to do so in the West because there's the question of privacy. And, and that barrier is less concerning for a lot of Chinese consumers. So it is a way bigger opportunity, if, if you like, if you see that as an opportunity, um, than it might be for other jurisdictions. Interesting. Um, and what, um, is it, is it, uh, just going back to um, the type of content that works, um, is TikTok still um, popular? <laughs> Tick, I love TikTok. <laughs> because, so... I. In the sense that if you don't have a TikTok, if you're not talking about a TikTok strategy, you might as well be, you know, revamping your MySpace strategy. 
And what about humour? Because um, we, we're famed for having a really dry sense of humour um, in Britain. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of our social content can be quite funny. Um, is it is more emotional content? Does that re- resonate better in China? Or is it, you know, just the same as here? Humour, emotional, everything? I would say that most of our content there is like informative and focused on providing information rather than trying to be funny and grab clicks, if that makes sense. But just, um, we, so we talked about it a little, a little bit earlier, but I just want to um, just uh, confirm for our audience. So straight editorial in China, is that is that something that's still of interest? So for example, would the Chinese market favor content British, written by British journalists, as an example, because um, British journalists are supposed to be said to be, whether it's true or not, some of the best in the world. Um, so does that resonate there? Yes. The storytelling that that editorial content delivers definitely resonates. Uh, the news-driven content along that line also resonates. Now, the delivery of that is in the language. Uh, you know, most of our Chinese content is in Chinese, um, is in Mandarin that goes out. Um, and we translate here and there, uh, both ways, from English to, to Chinese and back and forth. Um, but I would say that uh, the editorial content, in my view, globally, kind of works everywhere. And I think it is among the best type of content in terms of cutting through the noise it's it can be quite sticky and you know people enjoy reading it and then if the story is memorable then they'll they'll talk about it at least and, and hopefully share that stuff as well so i don't think that china is a specific difference to anywhere else in the world when it comes to um the potential success of, of editorial content okay and what about print is print still um a thing i not for uh, <laughs> not i um not for us. I think in general, again, kind of with a global hat on, if you have a print uh, strategy in 2019, you got to be really specific about what who you're trying to capture with that audience. There's definitely an audience for print. And, and you know, you can successfully mirror your print strategy with a digital strategy and, and get a lot of nice uh, overlapping um, synergies there. But again, I don't know if it's um, if you're going to do that, you got to really know who you're talking to. And I'm not sure that the broad audience that is cashless and mobile first in China would be the best place to start. Um, and what about um, so length of editorial? Do you see similar similarities across the world, um, or you know, w- would it be shorter in Asia compared to the UK? The, I find that a lot of the Chinese language content is quite a bit longer uh, than what you might find in, in the West as it goes out. Um, that's, that's, but it's, it's part and parcel. I think if you go back 10 years, everything's shorter anyways. So comparatively it's, uh, you know, there's nobody's writing really long, uh, stories anymore and expecting people to read from the top to the bottom. Um, single stories, single message, um, nice piece of tension to keep people, to keep people reading, but not much longer than that. So, um, I don't think, I think maybe, maybe there's a slight difference, but in general, everything's so much shorter these days than it was. Now on video, obviously it's, sh- it's short, snappy and to the point as, as a TikTok would show you. Okay. Okay. Thanks for that. Thinking about some of disasters that, um, 
you may have witnessed by other brands, not yours. What um what can we learn from it? So there was um the example a few months ago with Burberry when um they created uh, some clothes and I think they they had this the symbol meant something else and there was a bit bit of an outcry. Does that happen a lot? Is that isolated? I I don't know if that's a new. I I think that brands have struggled with that. I you remember the stories. Uh, going years back of car manufacturers launching automobiles with a name in one country that means something dirty or, or what in the, in the country where they're launching that. So I think that this probably goes back decades and it really comes down to, so it happens and this is the point, but I think, you know, and you got to prevent it from happening. And it comes really down to what we discussed above, which is um, knowing your audience and doing your research um, and you know, if the end goal is to gain the trust of that audience, you've, you've got to be pretty confident that you're doing that correctly. Um, so in terms of making those big errors, that's where I see the, uh, the key to preventing those. What about technology? So in the UK, um, voice assistants are becoming um, a lot more popular. There's still very early days. We have um, Amazon Alexa, we have um, a Google Home device and brands are still dipping their toe in the water when it comes to um, developing apps for voice. Um, but it's definitely growing. But what does, um, what's the role of technology really in content and thinking about content strategy in China? Voice assistants, I'm assuming, um, exist, but just just not um, Google. <laughs> yeah. What um, is is that something to be considered as part of the strategy? Again, I think it's the tech side of things. Like it is. So if you want to spend a lot of time thinking about your that voice strategy, uh, it's like a TikTok thing. You got to be thinking about it and how you want to do it. At the end of the day, if you decide not to allocate your budget in that direction, so be it. But at least you've thought about it. Um, and it's, and this would be a thing that is bigger than, or, you know, bigger than China outside of China. Um, and it's that being, being ready to, to, to jump into something new and hopefully, you know, have the confidence to do that and hopefully have that support to do that as well. Um, because if you're not going to do it, you're going to, again, miss the boat, um, on some really amazing channels and opportunities to be able to reach those audiences. Final question. What, what's the one top tip you'd share to anyone who's looking to create content um, in China or, and attract the Chinese, um, Chinese market? Sure. <laughs> I have to pick one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I think it would be, you, you really need to be analytical. You need to be using analytics uh, to track Basically, how well your your strategy is performing, you know, is what you want to do working. And the market's moving fast, as we discussed. There are new technologies all the time. There are new channels emerging and falling. You're going to need to refine your methods constantly. And I think that the analytics, therefore, is, is so important to having success when you're... Um, when you're looking to do content marketing in China. Thank you. Thank you very much. So that's it for this episode. With a big thanks to all of our listeners and an even bigger thanks to Art, the Global Content Director at JLL. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please click subscribe on your podcast app. 
and keep up to date on the best ways to disrupt your content marketing and outbox your competition.